Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about what happens in your brain after a breakup. Then, you'll learn about how wearables and AI analytics are changing medicine with help from the Dean of the Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. Lloyd Miner. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Romantic rejection can make anybody's brain go a little haywire. You might cry for days or obsess over their social media posts. Sometimes people spam their exes with phone calls and texts or even show up at their houses uninvited. So today we're going to talk about why people do this. It turns out the answer is because after a breakup, your brain does some really weird things. According to psychiatrists, romantic rejection happens in two phases, protest and resignation slash despair. The protest phase is when the really weird stuff happens. The dumped person becomes obsessed with winning back their ex. They make dramatic, sometimes embarrassing gestures. They try to get mutual friends on their side. And the thing is, as the evidence mounts against them, their romantic passion only intensifies. It's what Helen Fisher, a neurologist at the Kinsey Institute, calls frustration attraction. Fisher learned what the brain does after a breakup when she and a group of scientists scanned the brains of 10 women and 5 men who had recently been dumped but said they were still intensely in love. What the scientists did to these people might sound like torture to anyone who's been brokenhearted. The participants had to look at a picture of their ex and think about moments in their relationship. Yeah, rough. The participants said the image and memories of their lost loves made them feel despair, anger, and confusion over why they'd been rejected. But they also felt intense romantic passion. Sounds familiar, right? And the brain scans bore this out. They had activation in the same motivation and reward regions the researchers had seen in people who were happily in love. There was also a lot of activity in areas associated with reframing bad situations and assessing gains and losses. Makes sense. But the participants also had elevated levels of the neurotransmitters dopamine and norepinephrine, which are signs that the stress system had kicked into high gear. Likewise, there was heightened activity in regions linked to physical pain and distress. They were hurting, and their brains were sounding the alarm. The rejected people also had activity in the nucleus accumbens, which is associated with cocaine addiction. That could explain some of the obsessive, almost addictive behaviors common to people who have been dumped. The participants in the study thought about their rejector obsessively and craved getting back together again. Now, this research won't tell you how you can get over an ex more quickly, but it could help us understand our friends and family who experience romantic rejection. With such an intense mix of emotions, it makes sense that people behave strangely when they've been dumped. There's no quick fix for heartbreak, but hey, there's always ice cream and Lincoln Park. I knew you're going to say that. <laughs> lots and lots of Lincoln Park. <laughs> there's this new Phoebe Bridgers album that the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is going to be a great breakup album for somebody out there. There you go. You hear a lot about the problems with healthcare these days, but it's not all doom and gloom. There are some really exciting things in the works to make medicine better than ever. So today we're going to share some optimism from Dr. Lloyd Miner. He's a scientist, surgeon, and dean of the Stanford University School of Medicine. 
And earlier this year, he published a book titled Discovering Precision Health, Predict, Prevent and Cure to Advance Health and Well-Being. In the book, he gets into how new tools are helping people avoid illness and stay healthy, from smartphone technology to genome sequencing to routine blood tests. And in our conversation, we touched on one particular piece of research, the Apple Heart Study. It was a study designed to improve technology used to detect and analyze irregular heart rhythms. Those can be a sign of serious heart conditions like atrial fibrillation, which is a leading cause of stroke. The study collected data from more than 400,000 people via their Apple Watches and a smartphone app designed for the study. Not only did that study give a glimpse into what wearable technology can do, but it also shed light on how we use wearable devices in general. Here's Dr. Lloyd Miner's point of view on the limitations and possibilities of wearable technology, including how it's being used right now. Well, I think one of the issues with wearables is if they require any friction, if we have to alter what we're just doing in our daily lives, then the probability we will continue to use them or integrate them into our lifestyle is much lower. We need mm -hmm. these technologies to be operating in the background. Now, some wearables are more sticky than others. In other words, some wearables are, once people start wearing them and using them, they stick with them. Uh, I think now we're seeing data indicating that many of the newer wearables, the watches, other things like that, actually are being used for longer periods of time than some of the previous wearables. That's encouraging. The other thing about monitoring is that it has to give meaningful feedback when it gives feedback. If, if we're constantly getting a barrage of information that has little value in actually predicting when we're going to have a health problem, then no one's going to stick with that. The work we've done with Apple, uh, one of the findings from the Apple Heart Study was that the watch does not give out a lot of warnings that turn out not to be correct. In fact, only 0.5% of the people, of the more than 400,000 people in the study ever got a notification. And in those people who got a notification who went on to wear a patch EKG for about six days, there was an 84% concordance between when the watch said there was atrial fibrillation and when the actual EKG said there was atrial fibrillation. That's encouraging in that people aren't receiving a lot of warnings that don't really mean something. And we have confirmation that the majority of the time when the watch does indicate a warning, there's actually something that needs to be attended to. It's still at its early stages and there'll be follow-on studies, but the wearables are becoming more and more sophisticated and are giving us data that is actionable and giving us data that's actionable when it actually needs an action. In other words, not constantly interfering with what we're doing, uh, but only coming to our conscious awareness when there's a problem we need to attend to. So how will how will AI analytics? I mean, I you know I think most of us are pretty familiar with the consumer facing stuff, the Fitbits and the the Apple Watches and things like that. But how will AI work on the back end? A vision that that I have and many of my colleagues have for the future, perhaps the best way of thinking about it is in an analogy to aviation. Every time you or I fly on an airliner those jet engines are being constantly monitored. They're sending information 
data back down to earth that's used to plan the routine maintenance of those engines. And, and that data is constantly being analyzed, most often without the conscious awareness of the pilots. Uh, but if there is a performance-related concern with the engine, it can be detected early before it starts, before the engine starts to really malfunction in a way that threatens the safety of, of, of the plane. Now, we should be able to do the same thing with human health through monitoring data, like data that we get from wearables, integrating that with information we know about our risk factors for disease. We should be able to have a plan for identifying a disease early or preventing disease entirely uh, based upon information like that coming in. So that's the vision that I would have for the future. I'm not suggesting that every one of us is going to constantly have our heart rate and other parameters monitored, but there'll be things that we can do, particularly things in the background, that can have a profound influence on keeping us healthy. If we use predictive analytics the way Dr. Miner's talking about, we could potentially help people prevent disease before it starts. But beyond that, collecting and organizing the right kind of data could also help doctors personalize treatments to individual patients based on what that data says. This is all easier said than done, but the possibilities are pretty cool to think about. You can learn more about the exciting possibilities for the future of medicine in Dr. Lloyd Miner's new book, Discovering Precision Health, Predict, Prevent, and Cure to Advance Health and Well-Being. We'll put a link to pick it up in today's show notes. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that after a breakup, your brain kind of goes haywire. Brain scans suggest that you have some of the same activity as someone who's happily in love, but you also have a stress response, a pain response, an addiction response. It's a mess. So don't be too hard on your friends when they flip out after a breakup. I've definitely had my share of, of late night freakouts. I have become a complete psychopath after breakups. I never did anything like malicious or harmful, but man, I just lost my mind. And I mean, the funny thing is when I look back on like my worst rejections, like the person wasn't even that great. Right. I don't I don't understand it. It was just my brain. For me, I did find one thing that helped was after a really intense breakup. I wrote an email to myself expressing my feelings and I would use lots of hyperbolic language, you know, like I'll always be alone. I'll never find someone that's perfect, all this other stuff. So then after my next breakup, I would just go back to those emails and look at them and then be like, oh, hey, I've been through this before. I can totally make it through. That's really smart. Yeah. And even if you break up with someone in the near future and you haven't written an email to yourself in past breakups, maybe you can go dig through your email outbox and see emails you sent them after the breakup that are super dramatic. And then you can be like, oh, yeah, two years ago, I told this person they were the only one for me and they were the, you know, my soulmate. And now I feel the exact same way. So, you know, maybe I'll survive this. Oh, man. Searching through old emails to exes is dangerous business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it your own risk. <laughs> and we also learned that people tend to not use wearable technology as much if it disrupts their routine. If the wearables you happen to use don't disrupt your routine too much, you may be able to use their data to help you be healthier, more active, all that good stuff. I personally wear a Fitbit all the time. I have for a couple of years now. And... I'll forget that it's recording, 
you know, my sleep and my heart rate and stuff. But it's nice to be able to just look at an app and be like, oh, how have I been sleeping? And just and it's there. Yeah. Even just being aware of stuff you're doing in your life, like how many steps a day do you take? Just that sheer awareness could prompt you to change your behavior. And that's kind of what a big part of Weight Watchers is, right? It's just journaling what you eat. So, you know, even just being able to look at written down, oh, here's the things I eat, or maybe here are the bad habits, like that that inspires change in people. It, it's not that they are forcing themselves to do all these different things. Awareness, man. Yeah. Today's first story was written by Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.